Hello, and welcome back to another Expand podcast with yours truly, Elizabeth April. Today, I want to rant and rave, but really talk about the dynamics, the implications, the energies of religion. Now, specifically, I will be focusing on mostly Catholicism. That is the one that I grew up in. That is the one that I know the most because I did grow up in the system. Now, I did take a couple of university classes that was more geared towards world religion. And so I'm very, you know, aware of Taoism, Hinduism, Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism, and so on. But the one by far, without a doubt, in my own mind, in my own perspective, that is the worst of them all is Catholicism. And one thing that kind of came up just the other day, I I don't know if I was listening to a podcast or watching TV or something, but it came up twice in one day where people were calling other people a God-fearing Christian or a God-fearing Catholic. And the way that they referred to these people as God-fearing, the implication was actually really positive. The implication, as a matter of fact, was that this person is a good person because they are God-fearing. And that kind of blew my mind. And, you know, I kind of just wondered, does anyone else ever question? I mean, of course, you guys are questioning. You're here. But does anyone in the religion ever question, why is it that I'm a good Christian? Why is it that I'm a good Catholic if I'm God-fearing? And this is really what I find about Catholicism that is really terrible for the individual. And then there's a ton of other circumstances where Catholicism has been really terrible for the collective. And I don't even know if I want to go into those collective things today. But specifically the impact that religion has on the individual. And yeah, I do want to talk about the power around religion as well. So religion, but especially Catholicism, has this embedded matrix of fear within it. And the fear is the fear of God, right? God-fearing. And that implies that you're a good person because you abide by the laws of God, because you fear that if you do not abide by the laws of God, you're going to go to hell. It's the worst case scenario. You're going to go to hell. And this brings up a lot of, you know, dynamics, a lot of questioning within me. So there's a very clear narrative here that in order to be a good person, you must be in fear. What we now know about vibration and frequency and energy, in order to be a good person, you must be in a high vibration. And I, you know what, I don't even want to go as far as saying that. You could be a good person and make mistakes. You could be a good person and and fuck up every once in a while. You could be a good person and experience darkness. Absolutely, without a doubt. But under the laws of Catholicism, to be a good person is to fear God and therefore fear going to hell. That is very similar to saying, well, I only slow down when I'm driving a car when I fear that there's going to be a cop 
around. And actually, that's the truth. (laughs) I really, truly only abide by the speed limit if and when I'm fearing a police officer. But just because, right, just because I abide by the laws only when I feel like I'm being watched doesn't make me a good citizen. It doesn't. And this omnipresence of God, who is apparently always judging you, is supposed to be this fear factor. And depending on what church you go to, but, you know, when you go to church, that that fear is very subliminally ingrained into you, that you have to abide by God or you're going to hell. And it's really interesting because even for me, being gay, right, or whatever you want to call it, right, but just being with a woman and being a woman, I'm going to hell. And they feel bad for me because I'm going to hell. That's such an interesting concept. And the understanding of us having our own power, us being a part of God, which I know they believe as well, but us, you know, making our own choices, making our own mistakes. It allows us who are not a part of that religion to be free. Because the problem is, so say, let's use the gay example. Say, for example, and and I've watched many documentaries about this. You're gay. You're raised in a very strict Catholic household. You're going to hell. Or you can go to a reforming camp and you can pray the gay away, essentially. But for the rest of your life, you're always going to be gay. Like, let's be real. Like, you're always going to be attracted to the same sex. And and I, I know that for myself, who's like more fluid, who, you know, I haven't been into women my whole life, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit different, right? But for the individuals who are truly, truly only into women being a woman, only into men being a man, I can't even imagine this sort of God, disharmony, the heartbreak, the illusion, the shame, the guilt in feeling like your very nature is wrong. And this is the problem, right? In the Ten Commandments, it doesn't say, thou shalt not be gay. <laughs> it doesn't, you know? And, uh, and so this creates this culture of, of guilt and shame and repressing that frequency. I, I really think that Catholicism is the biggest religion, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But it just feels like because they did a lot of that outreach early on and converting people from all over the world early on, you have communities like Brazil or, you know, South America as a whole who are quite Catholic, you know, in their beliefs and their thinking. And it baffles me that these young people who are getting into this religion are not doing even just a really quick Google search of the history of the Catholic religion. And it is the most brutal history. In a large part, the Catholics who, you know, ended up killing the shamans and the indigenous It's the Catholics who put these indigenous people into these conversion schools where they weren't allowed to speak their language. They weren't allowed to practice their cultural beliefs. They weren't allowed to dress in their garments. It is the Catholic religion 
who back in the day, and I, I know this for a fact because I have gone into many, many past lifetimes from other clients, not my own, where, you know what, let me go into one. There was one in particular, he was a man, and this is back in, I want to say 1400s in England, so very, very highly Catholic. This is where all of the control mechanisms were, and he ended up getting abused, very abused sexually by a priest when he was young. He always wanted to be a priest himself. He always wanted to be a vessel of God. And I think that a lot of spiritual, naturally spiritual, connected individuals get into religion, especially in the past, because it was the only answer. It was the only answer to the question, there's got to be something more. What more is there? Oh, well, there's God. And there's a spirit. And the spirit is energy. And, and, and you know, that religion gives us just enough to quench our thirst, but no more than that. It actually hasn't given us anything more in the last couple hundred years, right? If anything, it's gotten a lot worse. And so this poor man, he experiences this abuse from his priest in childhood. He still wants to be a priest, so he goes into priest school, and he's in a small town at this point, and the abuse happened in a small town. Part of his vigor, part of his push to be a priest was, yes, he felt very connected to God and source, but he also wanted to correct the wrongs. Like he wanted to be better than his own priest in his village. And so he goes to preschool, he becomes a priest, and he wants to kind of broaden his horizons. So he goes to like the next level of priesthood which is he went to a big city and he wanted to kind of do preaching there, which he did. And he was really, really good. Like He was so passionate. He was so involved. He was so into it. And he, he was the type of guy to convert non-believers, which is pretty incredible. So a lot of him had the assumption that the corruption within that religion or within the, the priest really happened at a small town level. That's why he was also prompted to go bigger. So he went bigger, he went bigger, he went bigger. He kept climbing the ranks because he was so good. And he amassed this following of believers, of people who really felt like he was spreading the word of God. And so he actually garnered the attention from the other guys. I don't know who they are. Not the Pope, maybe the bishops. I don't know if it's called a bishop, but they had very tall hats, like very different than just a priest. He had very, they had very tall hats. So he got invited into... I forget if it was like the Vatican or a secret society. It wasn't a secret society, but it was basically, I can still see the image of it. It was this giant building and yeah, maybe it was some sort of church or maybe it was the Vatican, but basically it was a giant, you know, Catholic building. And this is where all of the most predominant, you know, priests and bishops and whoever was in that world went and lived. They lived there as well. So they invited him in. They invited him to be there. And when he started to to live there full time, and he would write back to his parents and, you know, it was good connection and whatnot. But eventually he started getting invited to these groups. I don't know what else to call them. Well, I do actually know what else to call them. Orgies. He got invited to orgies. I shit you not. And I saw this firsthand very visually 
there's all these priests of all different ages and bishops as well, but like some of them were old, like super old, and they had wine and they had food. It was like a giant party, but it was a party where you got naked. And it was a party where you would sodomize little boys. So here is this poor man who got abused in childhood, who is now observing that, wow, he is at the top of the top. He is at the top tier of this organization. And they are having orgies. They are abusing children, just like he was abused. And it all comes back to him and the the most amount of pain right when he was ready to leave like he was ready to and and he got invited to multiple of these parties he would never go he went the first time saw what it was all about and left immediately and the the men who were in charge definitely kept a close eye on him and they felt like he was so charming so gregarious that he would be perfect for this this higher ranking And they were also worried that because he wasn't going to the parties and participating in that kind of stuff, he uh, was going to leave. And while if he left, he would take his his following that he amassed with him. And they were worried about that. They were worried about any sort of doubt. So in their mind, they wanted to bring him into the highest tier, whatever. I don't know if it was like training to be a bishop or whatever that next tier was. So they did. They offered him. There was. I, I remember this meeting. It was um, kind of in this courtyard. Uh, big, huge stone pillars. Beautiful stone brick laying. You know, on the ground. And two of these men, two of these bishops or what have you, stopped him in the in the hallway and asked him, "Are you ready to take your devotion to God to the next level?" And he, he was excited about this. He said, yes, because to him, it wasn't about the orgies. It wasn't about the abuse. It wasn't about all of the wrongdoings. It was about getting closer to God, which is such a pure, like, this is what I'm saying. I think this, well, I know for a fact this person was a starseed because they were a client sitting in front of me, you know, having these issues with religion, having these issues with their root chakra, having issues with that kind of stuff. So basically, uh, he said yes, very excited. Maybe a week later, he got invited to this kind of top secret meeting, went into this underground room, like all cement, spiraling stairs going down, and went into this room and there was a stone bed, I guess you could call it, stone platform in the middle of this room. It was very small. And there was about five or six priests or bishops who were all standing around the room and they had these cloaks on with these hoods, these dark cloaks and hoods, which is definitely not what they would typically wear publicly. So he was immediately kind of taken aback by this uh, ritualistic setting that did not look like any sort of ritual that Catholicism had presented him thus far. But once again, he was excited to to be a part of this, you know, this next step. And they brought in this little girl wearing a white gown and they laid her on the platform and it seemed like she was drugged because she was just completely out of it. And they gave him a knife and they said, in order to be a part of this next level, you need to make a sacrifice. And before that happened, before they kind of put him on the spot, they shape-shifted. So all six of them shifted into these 
giant, 10-foot-tall, dinosaur-like reptilian beings in front of him. And his first reaction, like he was stunned in fear. His first reaction was to run out of there. And yet he knew, like it was almost like a telepathic message. He knew that if he ran out of there, they would kill him. There was no way out. And so he refused to take this girl's life. He said, absolutely not. And I forget what ended up happening by the end of it. I'm pretty sure because he refused, they didn't want to kill him on the spot because he did have such a following. They tried him for treason. They, I don't know, some bullshit claim. I mean, fuck, the government does this today, right? Oh, you're questioning. Oh, you're a UFO researcher. Oh, you're digging into the child sex trafficking. Okay, cool. So we're going to just put some kitty porn on your computer and we are going to try you for that. I mean, it's such bullshit. This is what they did. They could say whatever they wanted to back then and now today as well. And so they basically tried him, said, you know, you went against the church, da da da, for blank whatever reason. And before he could ever speak up about it, they killed him publicly public execution. That way, their name is intact. And they got someone who was of the light and not of the dark out of there. This is just one example of countless, like so many that I have personally witnessed and personally seen, and then also seen the damage that that kind of dynamic has on an individual. Have you ever wanted to talk to interdimensional beings? Have you ever wondered why humans are so important and what your mission is right now today? Well, look no further. Every month, I host a workshop where I channel members from the Galactic Federation of Light and ask them some of the most important questions humanity has ever asked. Join the Galactic Federation Summit today. Tickets for $11 can be found on my website, elizabethapril.com. Back in the day, religion was the number one ruler. Religion was the number one controlling factor of of society, of humanity. That God-fearing aspect of it, that guilt and shame, that fear of hell, that was the number one dictator, the ruler. So if we think about it now, right, I mean, obviously you're here, maybe you are Catholic, and that's totally fine. And I appreciate you having an open mind enough to, A, you know, listen to someone who's fluid, and B, to be open-minded enough to be here. So, and I'm open-minded to anyone's beliefs. I mean, that's the best thing about frequency work, is that it's not confined or contained or limited to anyone, any culture, any religion, any belief, any anything. So nowadays, when we think about, so religion was the biggest controlling factor. So what is the biggest controlling factor today? It's not religion. It's not government. Yeah, we could argue finances, financially, you know, that's the biggest factor. Mass media, I believe, is the biggest controlling factor in society right now, especially with the vaccine and the virus. Holy. I mean, apparently anyone who's unvaxxed is killing everyone else who is vaxxed. Like, it's just insane, the propaganda that they're putting out there. 
And if you watch it, if you ingest it, if you focus on it, if you take it in, it is really going to affect your frequency, your decisions, your free will, all of that. And who really controls mass media? Well, of course, it's the speakers within society. It's the politicians. It's the celebrities. It's the musicians. It's, it's the people who have a following. What's really incredible, I'm just going to leave you off with this note, what's really magical about the current dynamics of mass media being the number one controlling factor especially for the younger populations, as much as I love to hate on them and, you know, some of their limitations. If a kid who is 13 years old gets TikTok famous and the Illuminati or the shadow government or whatever you want to call it reaches out to them and says, hey, kid, we want you on our side. We will pay you big bucks. We will give you fame. We will give you an audience. We'll, we'll get you famous. Nah, cool, bro. I'm good. I'm good, though. Thanks, though, Illuminati. Thanks for that. They don't have any more control. (laughs) As much as I loathe TikTok, these kids are having control. They're, They're getting famous. They're amassing audiences. They're making shit tons of money. And they don't need to join the Illuminati to make a difference. Even kids right? This younger generation who doesn't have an audience. Why would they, you know, go through a blood and sex ritual or some sort of crazy effed up signing your soul away when you could just hop on, you know, Instagram and speak your truth and and be known? There is no desperation. There's no desperation with religion and beliefs anymore, because the truth is coming out, you know, spirituality is making its waves. There is no desperation with fame. There's no desperation with money. I know that some people are still feeling desperate for that fame, and I'm sure that the Illuminati is still, you know, rampant, right, out there. But things are changing. Things are changing. I am so excited to be in this reality. And yes, I know our rights are being taken away from us and, you know, some pretty fucked up shit is happening out there, but things are changing and there is no stopping this train from moving. So it's just a very exciting time in general to be here, to be alive, to be questioning everything and to be excited about this sort of movement. Sending you all so, so, so much love. As always, keep up the good work. Be sure to share this if you feel comfortable sharing it. Definitely follow me on Instagram and check out my YouTube for more content and more mind-blowing theories and chats and information and stories and all of that great stuff. As always, I will see you in the fifth dimension frequency.